Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. I want to congratulate you uh, because you made it. You made it to Christmas. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's like this marathon race that I'm not sure if we'll actually get there, if I'll be alive by the time we do get there with all of the running around and all of the craziness. So congratulations. You have done it. And in this space, I'm honored um, to share Christmas Eve with you. And I want to ask you a quick question. Do any of you have one of these under your tree at home? Not this exact one. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, but it's not just a present. Don't be deceived. It's a present that clearly has some issues with it. Right? It's a present that a child that shall remain nameless has been dying to know what is inside. It's a child, it's a present that has been longed for and yearned for and I can't hardly wait for and been so excited about and so much anticipation has happened that there seems to be a rip in the package uh, about which she knows nothing about. She tells me it came this way, it happened on its own, and yeah, I know what's inside. <laughs> uh, I don't know, do any of you have one of these packages under your tree? This is actually one of the things that I love about Christmas. Not necessarily like the packages that you have so painstakingly wrapped and then have gotten torn up. Not so much that, but, but this idea that there is so much anticipation for the gift that is coming. I love watching the seven-year-old child or younger or older who just can't wait to open the package. Like there is steam coming out of their ears. They just want to know what's in the gift, right? They do this thing where there's like this dance that's like, oh, I just want to know. At least that's the dance that we have in our house. And as long as you can ward off the, the tantrums, as long as you can ward off the like meltdowns that come from not being able to open the gift yet, it's this beautiful thing to see the overwhelming excitement and anticipation and expectation of what happens and what will I get and what will be given to me at Christmas time. And so when I read the Christmas story, when I read Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, which we read together here, I picture the angels being much like a seven-year-old child who cannot wait to unwrap their Christmas present. That they are just like, oh, come on, can we do it now? Can we go tell them? Can we go tell them? Can we do this thing? I mean, if you think about it, angels, since the beginning of time, since the beginning of like their creation, they were told about this amazing surprise that someday God himself would gift himself to the whole world that he would take on flesh and he would dwell among his very creation and sometimes we get it in our mind that jesus was like this backup plan that when everything went wrong that then god said oh i guess i'm gonna have to send jesus but no in the book of john we're told that since the very beginning he was with god in creation that this was the plan from the very, very beginning. Jesus wasn't a last-minute fix. He wasn't plan B. He was plan A all along. And so from the beginning of the creation, from the beginning of the world, God desired not just to be known by his people, but he wanted to be in full relationship with his creation. 
See, there's something about the presence of God, the nearness of God that restores the people of God. That when God is near, hope comes, even in the middle of despair. That when God is near, people are healed. When God is near, relationships are restored. When God is near, peace is brought forth. When God is near, the miraculous and the supernatural mission of God happens. And so from the beginning of creation, the angels had been waiting for this moment where God would come near. And as they watched throughout history, I just imagine that any time God sort of tiptoed closer to his creation, they stood on pins and needles with steam coming out of their ears saying, is this the moment? Will God fully come near to his creation? Is this it? And so throughout history, whenever God has come near, we get these glimpses of God moving towards us. God comes close to Abraham in this like smoking fiery pot it says, in order to remind him that God will never let him down. And then in another time, God comes close to a grieving Job who sits in darkness and despair. And he comes to him as this whirlwind, this tornado, this hurricane, in order to remind a grieving Job that even in his uncertainties and in his grief and in his despair, God will never let him down. And God comes close to the nations of Israel as a cloud, of, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night because he doesn't want them to wander alone. And then God comes close to his people when he shoves all of his glory into this tent that is called the Holy of Holies just so he can be nearby his people just so he can be close to them and dwell among them. See, God longs to be with his people. He loves us so much. He can't let himself get too far away. He likes us so much that he's like 100% for us. But all of those ways that throughout history God has tried to be close to his people, it's always had these barriers. See, when he came as the fiery pot, uh, there was the barrier of our own frailty where we couldn't touch him because we'd burn up. And when he came in a tent in all of his glory, we couldn't be totally with him because of our own sinfulness. When he came in a whirlwind of fire, we couldn't be totally with him because our mortality scared us. It terrified us to be close to him. But until finally God shed all the barriers to being close with us, and he reached his climax of God's nearness, and he took on flesh as an infant to dwell among us. He, he came as a baby so that he could be near us in a way that he had never been before. I mean, imagine for a second the God who carved the cosmos now curled into a fetal ball and placed himself in the womb of a young girl. The one who created cell division now submit, submitted his cells to being divided. And the one who was so mighty that the heavens couldn't contain him now let himself be held in the hand of the very one that he created. 
and the angels who've been waiting for this moment from the beginning of creation were watching closely as God moved closer and closer and closer and they got excited. They saw the presents come down from the stairs. They saw them being piled up over the trees. They saw the Amazon guy come and the packages go under the trees. And they got excited. They saw the signs. And it took everything in them to wait to unwrap this amazing gift to tell the world that God had come. Until finally, God sort of gives them this nod. You may go. It's happening. You can go tell them. And I just imagine that the angels, with the excitement of a seven-year-old, rushed into Mary's room, right? That was what terrified her. All of a sudden, this angel from nowhere rushes into her room and is like, Oh my gosh, Mary, I have to tell you something. It's so exciting. We get to do this. Let me tell you. I will unwrap the gift for you. And so the angel says to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom, it will have no end. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can mess this up. And I'm sure the angel was really, really excited, but I wonder if her, the angel's excitement, maybe didn't translate quite so much to Mary. Like, I think of that scene in that room and what was happening, and you have the angel who's so excited, but you have Mary who's standing there terrified, <laughs> terrified. I recently hosted a, a birthday party with, with 27 seven-year-olds. It was terrifying. The joy that was exuberating throughout the room was terrifying. And so here's Mary, terrified. I mean, not just because she's got this angel who's acting like it's seven in her room saying these things, but, but honestly, like, think of what this angel is telling her. Hey, listen, there's this baby. You've been favored. This baby is coming. The God of the universe has given this great gift. And it starts with you. You're the first one. You're the first one. And God is going to save the whole world. The whole world will be redeemed. The whole world will be restored. And it starts with you. Now, I know that most of us like to imagine Mary as being the humble, benevolent, wonderful, obedient young lady who just says, I have a hard time relating to her like that. For me, I think she, in the end, yes, said yes, and that's great. But in that moment, she's thinking, this is not going to work. She's thinking of all of the ways that this can't possibly true, be true. I'm thinking of her as somebody who's listening to the angels, and it's like a fire hose of information that is all coming to her at once. And she's thinking, wait, what? What? What, what, do you, what do you mean? I mean, this is good news for the whole rest of the world, but this doesn't feel like good news to me. This feels like it's going to be really hard. This feels like it's going to change a lot of things. I just don't know how this is going to play out for me. And so I imagine that for Mary, the news that the angel brought was a tad overwhelming. 
that the gift that had been brought likely felt bigger than she could handle. The extravagance of this gift may have seemed like too much to receive. And you can hear it in Mary's initial response. Well, how can this be? How how is this supposed to happen? Now, sometimes I think that as adults, we've lost our ability to receive gifts well. Like when you're a kid and someone pulls out a present, it does, there's no questions asked. One, they just assume that it's for them. And they don't say, why did you get this for me? And, and oh, why, you didn't have to. No, they're just like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, right? They just want it now. There's this overwhelming joy and exuberance about receiving it and taking it and ripping it open. But adults, there's something that changes in us. And maybe it's like pride of seeing ourselves sort of as the capable and responsible people. And so we naturally are like skeptic of gifts and gift givers. We ask ourselves these questions like, like, well, is this really for me? Like, are you sure it's not for somebody else? We ask ourselves these questions like, could, could this possibly be for me? And why did you get it for me? Like, what did I do that you got me a gift. And then when we open it, we are curious about like, well, how much was this? <laughs> how, much, how much did you spend on me? And then it leads to this question, well, what do you want from me in return? Like, are you, are you expecting me to give a gift back? What kind of commitment does this now require between the two of us? There's all these questions as adults, we're not really good at receiving gifts. Many of us have bought into the mantra that it's better to give than to receive. And so we struggle to receive anything at all. We just keep thinking, no, 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 as a capable and responsible person, I'll just give, and I'll give, and I'll give, and I'll give. Receiving is for children. Receiving is for people who are not quite as capable as me. Particularly when it comes to really extravagant gifts, like God taking on flesh and saying, I'm here to be with you. I'm here to offer hope. I'm here to offer restoration. I'm here to offer healing. We ask ourselves a lot of questions. But the angel reassures Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. What the angel is reminding Mary in this passage is that this gift that God desires to give her and to give to the whole world is too extravagant to be manifested in her own power. The nearness and the miracle of God's presence isn't something that she is just going to need to conjure up and take care of and be responsible for all on her own. It's a gift. And it's a gift that isn't just received. It's a gift that is conceived. 
Like, think about that for a second. See, when we receive something, sometimes it's sort of this passive thing. Somebody gives you something, you take it, and you open it, and, and, and you received it, and there was the giver, and there was the givey, givey, recipient. There was the giver, and there was the recipient, and that's the, that's the transaction. That's it. It's sort of this one-way passive thing that has happened. But what has happened between God and Mary and what happens to us when we receive the gift of Jesus is not just that we take hold of God. Instead, when we conceive something, there's action on both ends. That when she took hold of the gift of God himself, she was allowing God to take hold of her as well. They became one. The ownership of bringing this gift into the world isn't just on her to hold on to and make happen and execute and try to do all of the right things. Instead, what happens is is when she receives this gift, when she conceives this gift, she holds on to God, but God holds on to her. God takes hold of her fears and her insecurities and her needs And he takes hold of her stress and her desires and her doubts and her darkness. And this is why, with open hands and a bowed head, Mary declares, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answers, may your word be fulfilled in me. And the angel left her. I imagine that that angel, that seven-year-old excitement angel, like left skipping away and was like, she did it, she received it, it's hallelujah, here we go, right? It has come to pass, the gift has been given. And although that that happened in a moment in history, there's this reality that on this day, the angels have come to you declaring the good news of this gift of our Savior that longs to be near to you, that longs to be close to you, that God desires to come and bring hope in the midst of whatever circumstances you are in, that God desires to bring restoration and redemption to you through the gift of his presence in your life. And so the invitation that was spoken to Mary is actually an invitation that's being offered to you as well, You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. In you, God delights. And Jesus longs to draw near to you. He's the long-awaited one. He is the great king that has come to redeem and restore the whole world. He brings hope. He brings reconciliation and relationships. He brings healing and he brings life. And so the question that gets offered to you on a day like today is do you want to receive this gift? Do you want to be like Mary and open your hands and say, How can this be? But I am the Lord's servant. 
Like Mary, there are so many reasons for you to turn this gift down. You, you can't imagine that this news is true. Or, or maybe it seems like this news really couldn't be for you, that when I was saying, like, you are highly favored, and you are highly favored, and you're highly favored, you're like, oh, she was looking at my neighbor. But, but no, this news is for you. And the choice that you make actually won't stop God from coming near to this world. Because the birth of this baby that we celebrate, all of the world is transformed. Like everything changes. Everything is restored. Everything will be returned to complete unity and love and wholeness. All of that will happen. Like nothing can change the end of that story. But the question will be, do you want to be a part of it? Like, do you want to receive the gift? God desires to come near to you. He desires to be close to you. And he has moved heaven and earth in order to make this happen. That's what Jesus is all about. And so in a second, I'm going to invite the band to come up. And we're going to have an opportunity to respond to this truth of who Jesus is and what it is that he has done. And on your seat or under your seat, there should be a candle there. And we're going to sing the song Silent Night together. And as we do that, we're going to light candles. And in a second, our elementary kids will also be joining us. And so if you have an elementary school student, just make sure you keep an eye out for them because they are looking for you. Um, and it's going to be our opportunity to respond to this news that Jesus has come and desires to draw near to you. Now, I know that in this room there are some people, there's some of us who trust this gift and who have received this gift and are excited about this gift. But maybe in the hustle and bustle of Christmas, you've sort of lost sight that this is what this is really about. That the God of the universe has given you an extravagant gift and has drawn you in to come close. And so this is your opportunity that as you light your candle to imagine that the flame, the flickering flame, is God coming near to you. And this is your opportunity to say, yes, I desire and I receive God coming near to me. For others of us, we may be in a position where we have never really trusted the gift. We've never really believed in the gift. And my invitation for you today is to sort of have, to take this as an opportunity to have a posture like Mary. That you can still ask the question, but how is this possible? But maybe to take the posture also to say, Let's see what happens. I invite God to come near in this moment. And that you too would light your candle as a way to say, God, I invite you to come near. Will you pray with me? Father God, we recognize that you are the God that longs to draw near to us that you are the God who longs to be with us. And Father, we want to say yes. 
We want to be people who welcome you in, who receive you and hold you as you hold us. And so, Father God, would you listen to us as we cry out to you on this night?